All right, we're back. Good morning. Today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 11. We're just going to read the whole thing, so verses 1 through 15. So go ahead and take a second and read that on your own, and then develop some thoughts of your own, and then come listen to mine. Take a sip of my coffee. So uh, what has just happened previously is that Saul has been appointed as the new king of Israel by Samuel. All the people were part of the you know, appointment process, whatever. They saw him get picked. They said, great, he's our king. That's awesome. Long live the king. Um, there's some valiant men whose hearts God had touched who had a, who were accompanying, accompanying Saul. Uh, but there were also some scoundrels who said, how can this fellow save us? And they despised him and brought him no gifts. So there are people who are rallying around Saul that are supporting him, uh, that trust who God has appointed. There's also people who are doubting him and despising him and are publicly shaming him by not bringing him gifts and, and uh, publicly displaying their approval of his kingship. And so already Saul has done nothing, and yet there are people on his team and there are people that are not on his team. So this chapter, there's a lot of pretty strong emotional language in this that you can kind of just, again, just breeze over if you're not, if you're not looking closely, but there's some really strong emotions that are felt um, in this chapter. And so I want to, I want to point those out. Basically what happens is Nahash, the Ammonite is uh, a foreign king who's got an army and he has been just killing a lot of these Israelites and has been raiding these different towns and things like that. And so he goes up and besieges Jabesh Gilead. And so Jabesh Gilead is significant. Um, if you remember a couple days ago, we talked about uh, how the city of Gibeah, where Saul is from, the horrible thing happened. Uh, they got wiped out basically, except for 600 men. 400 of the wives for those 600 men came from Jabesh Gilead. Basically, Jabesh Gilead was the one city that did not rally with the rest of Israel to wipe out the tribe of Benjamin when, uh, yeah, after the terrible thing that happened in, in Gibeah. And so then in order to retaliate, the nation of Israel went and crushed the city of Jabesh Gilead and took 400 of their women to uh, marry uh, 400 of the 600 survivors of the tribe of Benjamin. And so there's a really significant connection between Gibeah, the city of Saul, and Jabesh Gilead. So again, you know, we don't know exactly how many generations have passed since that event happened, but you know that there is a, there is a, fam, a familial connection between uh, Gibeah and Jabesh Gilead. You know, the wives, uh, like, the, you know, the mothers, uh, like over half the mothers of the city of Gibeah came from Jabesh Gilead. So you know that there's got to be familial connections. You know, as this city got wiped out, probably a lot of the relatives of, of the people who were killed were the ones who came and repopulated the city. And so there's just, there's just a really strong connection between those two in some positive ways and some negative ways, right? It's like, there's probably, there's the familial connection of, of many of the, you know, the wives that were taken, but there's also probably this anger and frustration 
from the city of Jabesh Gilead toward Gibeah, toward the tribe of Benjamin, because they're responsible for the destruction and shame of that city. And so there's just a lot of really strong positive and negative emotional connections between these two cities. All of that to say, Nahash besieges the city. So his army is surrounding it and they're like, you know, not letting food in and out and all that. And they're basically like, hey, we're going to come crush you unless you surrender. But the conditions for surrender include that this guy is allowed to gouge out the right eye of every one of you and so bring disgrace on all Israel. So this guy says, yeah, you guys can surrender and we won't kill you, but then I get to gouge out all of your right eyes just to show my dominance, to show that I have defeated you. And so for the rest of your life, you're going to be a symbol of shame and a symbol of, of my power and my dominance over you and your people. And so that obviously would suck to lose your right eye, but also this is just, this is an honor shame culture where people really, really value the deepest thing in their heart that they want to experience is honor. The deepest thing they want to avoid is shame. And so this is like horrific. And many of them would probably much rather die than have their right eye gouged out and to be a a permanent public symbol of shame. So they sent out messengers. They said, give us seven days so we can send messengers throughout Israel. And if no one comes to rescue us, then we will surrender to you. And so the messengers come to Gibeah to Saul, who is now the king. And so when this is reported to the people of that town, it says they wept aloud. Again, there's a really, really significant emotional connection between the people of Gibeah and Jabesh Gilead. And, And they so hate the idea of the shame that that would bring, that that is just a deeply hurtful, just moving thing inside of them. And so they're weeping. They're not just like upset. It's like they are, it says they're weeping. So then Saul returns from the field behind his oxen, which is really interesting. It's like, dude, you're the king. Like, what are you doing out in the field with the oxen? Like, recognize like your new job. So that's just like, what's going on there? But he's like, what's wrong with everyone? Why are they weeping? And then they repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. So when Saul heard their words, the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he burned with anger. So he is ticked off. And it is a holy righteous kind of ticked off. He sees a wrong that's being done. And he said, and he feels this burning desire within him to get justice, to right that wrong. So that's, that's like the kind of anger that Jesus experienced when he cleared the temple, when he saw that his father was being disrespected by what was going on in the temple. This is a good anger. I think a lot of times we can think anger is bad and that we're not allowed to feel anger. And the anger makes us like a, a sinful bad person. But it's like, anger is good. There is a good purpose to anger. There's really, really bad ways that we can be angry. Like we can be self-righteously angry. We can be self-defensively angry. But God, God feels anger. And usually it has to do with someone who is like, is, is someone, who, someone who is being manipulated or taken advantage of, or when his righteousness, his holiness is being disrespected. And so if there's a wrong being done and we feel anger toward that, that is a really, really righteous thing. Obviously, how we respond in that anger also matters. And so Saul hears these words, the spirit of God came upon him powerfully. So this is an example of, look, Saul, I've, an, I've, I've appointed you as king. And so I am going to fill you with the spirit. There's something that you need to do. There's a wrong that's being done. And I'm going to send my spirit to powerfully come upon you and empower you 
to make the right decision and to lead well in this moment. And so Saul, as he's filled with the spirit, he takes a pair of oxen, he cuts them into pieces, and he sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, this is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. It's interesting that he says Saul and Samuel. So that's, that's, a, that's a politically wise maneuver, right? Because he, uh, he knows that there's people in the kingdom that do not respect him and that do not want to follow him. But everybody loves and respects Samuel, even though they were like, hey, we want a king. They, still, Samuel has an incredible reputation. He has saved the nation of Israel from previous uh, raids and, and attacks from, from enemies. And so Saul knows that people respect Samuel. And so he's using the fact that Samuel has chosen him to rally the people. So it's a strong statement. It's like, hey, I'm going to cut up the oxen of anybody who does not follow me and Samuel into battle. And so it says, the terror of the Lord fell upon the people and they came out together as one. And so people have this, this healthy fear of God. Like fear of the Lord is, is a good thing. It's not like this like terror of like punishment. It's like this healthy respect. I mean, there's, there's also included within that there's fear of punishment because God is holy and righteous and, and those who disrespect God are, are worthy of his wrath. But it's this, it's this healthy awareness of the power of the Lord and they're feeling that in Saul and Saul has the spirit of God that's descended upon him. And so the power of God, it just feels, people can feel the power of God through Saul in this command. And, that's, and that makes people feel safe. Like even that, that fear, that awareness of, of his strength, the awareness of his power. If he's on your team, if this really, really powerful king that's empowered by a really, really powerful God is on your team, even if you feel some fear like from him, like fear of him, you also feel safe because you know that he's bigger and better than anything else out there. So if he's on your team, you're great, you're safe. And so people rally around their fear, drives them into the safety of following the king who's following the Lord. And so Saul musters them at Bezek. The men of Israel numbered 300,000 and those of Judah 30,000. Um, and so, yeah, basically it's a, they say, hey, we're like say to the people of Jabesh Gilead, hey, we're going to come save you. Like by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you'll be rescued. So then the people of Jabesh are like pumped. It says they're elated. They're like, awesome. Like Saul and, and Gibeah, like the people of Gibeah and, and the nation of Israel, they're coming to save us. And so they say to the Ammonites, the bad guys, say, tomorrow we will surrender to you and then you can do to us whatever you like because we know that by then, Saul and the people are coming. So the next day, Saul separated his men into three divisions. During the last watch of the night, they broke camp into the camp of the Ammonites and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. So Saul has proven to be an incredibly wise king thus far. <clears throat> and we're going to see that again here in just a second. But he's been wise politically in how he's rallied the people. He made a strong statement. He, asso he associated himself with Samuel. Um, and so he's he, the way he's casted vision to get people to do what they need to do in order to follow God, he's done that really well. And he's proven to be wise in how he leads into battle. And so he clearly devises a strategy that is incredibly effective and it works. And so you can see that Saul has so much potential as a leader, so much potential as a king. And so far he's proving himself, even despite all the doubts and the fears that he had. Like that's what's so cool is the spirit of God has descended upon him and, and it's 
instead of his fears getting in the way, instead of his insecurities getting in the way, God has empowered him and he, and he's trusting God and he's stepping into um, what God is calling him to do. And it's working. So then verse 12, it says, the people said to Samuel, who is it that said, shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us so that we may put them to death. So remember those guys that despised Saul and that publicly shamed him. So now Saul has this incredible like victory in battle. He's got this amazing, you know, his very short track record is now pretty incredible. And people really, really wanted a king because they wanted to feel safe. They wanted to feel protected from their enemies. And then Saul has shown up. He looks like a king. And day one, he shows up and dominates these people that were about to publicly shame and kill so many of the people of Israel. And so people are like, yes, Saul, we are on your team. We're following you. Like, this is great. This is incredible. Hey, anybody who was like disrespecting Saul and who was not going to follow him and, and publicly shamed him by not bringing him gifts says, we want to put them to death. But Saul says, and this is, this is just an incredible example of him being a great leader. No one will be put to death this day. For this day, the Lord has rescued Israel. Man, if Saul would have kept up this mentality, he would have been an incredible king. Incredible. It's just like he's, he's publicly giving God the glory. He says, hey, the Lord through me has rescued Israel. So that's, that's a huge thing. But he's also not this bitter, like retaliatory, like king that's like self-protective. It's like, yeah, these people disrespected me, but it makes sense that they disrespected me. They don't know who I am. Like, you know, they like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, in my insecurity, kill these people who are disrespecting me. Like I'm going to like, it's, that's just the kind of thing that people can rally around. They can say, Hey, we can trust Saul. Like he is a strong King. We doubted his strength. We doubted his ability to save us. And he's proven that. And so, Hey, we're sorry. We're going to come around and we're going to submit to you. And Saul's going to allow them to do that instead of just retaliating. So then verse 14, then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul King in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord and Saul and all the Israelites held a great celebration. So now that everybody is on Saul's team. So before it's like, it's like the previous like coronation kind of thing was, was kind of tainted because so many people doubted Saul, right? They thought he was this weak king. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, which nobody respected the tribe of Benjamin. And, and they're like, how in the world could this guy be our king? And they probably wanted someone from their tribe to be the king. You know, they had probably had all these selfish motivations and there's all these, like, they did not want to be on Saul's team. But once he had proven that, hey, God is behind me, God is empowering me and I'm able to win in battle. I'm able, I'm able to do my job as the king. I'm able to protect you. I'm able to bring the safety that you were hoping for in, in wanting a king in the first place. Now, suddenly the entire nation of Israel is rallying around Saul. And so now they're going to redo this, uh, this process of making him the king now that everybody's on his team. And so what can we take away from this passage? I think for one, that if we trust God, he will empower us to carry out his will, right? Like Saul had this opportunity, even though he was afraid, even though he felt weak and insignificant and insufficient and incapable, he trusted God and the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and empowered him to carry out this task that God had put in front of him. And so in the same way, if we trust God, he's going to empower us and he's going to carry out his will through us. 
And I do want to be careful. That doesn't mean that everything that we do will be successful. Like as we measure success, God is, God's plan is always successful, but his plan might include for us failure and heartache and missed expectations and whatever else. And there's, there's going to be parts of our story that are really, really painful and that don't, don't include success. So let's, let's be careful to say that. But in this particular case for Saul, God put something in front of him. He felt insufficient, but he trusted God. He stepped into it and God empowered him to do what he had called him to do. And he responded really, really well by recognizing that this was the Lord that had rescued Israel. So it wasn't Saul. Saul was very aware of his own weaknesses and insufficiencies. And so he trusted God and then he acknowledged that it was only the Lord who could have done that through him. And what's really, really interesting, what Saul gets from this is exactly what he really, really wants deep in his heart, which is public acceptance from the people around him. He wants to be seen as honorable and desirable and worthy. In this case, he has the entire nation of Israel that is rallying around him, supporting him. At first, when he became the king, he did not. What his heart wants is the public affirmation of people. And right now he has it. But later on, we're going to see when he doesn't. And we're going to see how much that really, really messes with him. And we're going to see how that starts pulling him away from God. And we're going to see that he stops seeking God and acknowledging God. And instead fighting for his own image, fighting for his own sense of self-worth. So, all right. Talk to you tomorrow.